Welcome to The Hype Within, exploring journeys of authentic leadership and growth. On our show, guests will share their stories of developing their leadership skills and challenges they faced along the way. You'll learn about their approaches to self-reflection and personal growth and how they've been able to build a foundation of authenticity that has propelled them to success. I'm your host, Hannah Jakover, B2B marketing leader turned leadership and executive coach. Are you ready to get hyped up? Let's dive in. Today, I'm really excited because we have my friend Kimmy Corrigan here, who is the Vice President of Marketing Operations and Strategy at Expel. Thanks for joining us, Kimmy. Thank you for having me. I am obviously super hyped. To be on this podcast and hang out with you. So thank you. Kimmy and I have had the chance to connect a few years back and have had some great conversations. And I'm just excited because I know she's like a wealth of knowledge and is such an empathetic leader, like such an empathetic and authentic leader and someone who's not afraid to like share their emotions, but also get it done, which is really hard to do. So we'll talk about that, too. Kimmy also has an MA in communications and leadership, and she's an inaugural member of Marketo's Fearless 50, and her North Stars are warmth and competence, and we'll talk more about that too. But first, I want to give you the chance to just do a little bit of an intro and talk about your journey into leadership. I'm Kimmy Corgan, as you mentioned, uh, VP of Marketing Ops and Strategy at Expel. I've been in marketing ops since before that was a term of marketing ops. So I'm definitely one of the OGs of this space. I somehow keep finding myself working for cybersecurity companies. I don't know how I keep tricking these like high tech, awesome companies into letting me work for them, but so far so good. And I think we talked a little bit about, um, you know, sharing a unique fact about myself. And I struggle so much with this question, but I have so many facts, right? And Some of those things are, I have terrible handwriting. I love a bougie grocery store. Like I will spend more money on snacks and seltzers and fancy bread. It's almost like a toxic habit of mine. My ultimate dream, as much as I love this job and my team and everything I've done is I want to own a local coffee and fresh cut flower shop and go golfing every day. That's my dream in life. So as great as it is to be here on this podcast and have the job I have, like that is not the end game for me. You'd rather be, you know, the barista, owner barista florist. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to actually work at a coffee shop because the general public stresses me out, but I do want to own one we can pop into and like be cute at. What would you call it? Blooms. So yeah, I've got the whole thing in my mind. I just need unlimited amount of money to keep this thing going and will not have it have to worry about making an actual profit. I think everybody needs to figure out like what they want to actually be doing. But I will ask you, when do you think you'll actually do it? As soon as I have that magical moment of joining a startup at the right time with the right amount of options with the right IPO exit, then it all happens. Maybe never, but you got to have dreams. Yeah, you do. You got to have dreams. Okay, I do want to talk a little bit about your North Stars, warmth and competence. How did you discover that those were the North Stars you wanted to align with? When I was working at Cisco and I got to Cisco via an acquisition, so it wasn't like an 
a situation I opted into with like great excitement, but I spent some time at Cisco for a few years after that acquisition. And one of the wonderful things that my time there offered me was like a ton of leadership development. Companies of that size really invest in programs for their employees. A lot of great workshops and coaching and mentoring programs with some like incredible people. And one of the workshops I worked through was with other female leaders. And it was one of the exercises. Like we spent six weeks trying to boil our entire ethos in leadership down to like two words. At the time, I liked it because it was like cute and I could fit it on a post-it and the words resonated with me. But then when I like had that post-it and looked at it every day and as I worked through leaving organizations, building teams, developing myself, like always coming back to those words of, was I warm and competent today to myself, to others, mm -hmm. to peers? And if I could say yes to that every day, or at least most days, I felt like, oh, I did my job. I can't at this point be an expert every person's job on my team. A long time ago, I could when I was in a very specific role. But as I've been lucky enough to have the opportunity to really help build out the full picture of what marketing operations is. I am not an expert at everyone's job. Some of the people on my team, I've never done their job before. But can I be a warm leader and make them feel safe, supported, able to work through difficult situations, celebrate their victories? That's where I think about warmth. Do I make people feel like this is a warm environment? And then competence, I can't be that functional expert at what everyone does, but I can commit to being competent enough to understand what they're working on, what their challenges are, understanding even like when they've done something victorious, I need to be competent enough in their role to know the thing they just did is super impressive. Like they have to be able to be competent enough to make sure I support them in that way. For me, it's not being an expert at everyone's job. It's not just being nice to people. But if I can do something every day where I feel like I was warm and I was competent today and I supported my team with those words and feelings, then like, all right, pretty good day. We made it. Like, let's do it again tomorrow. So that's what it means for me. And that's where it came from. And the more time I spend with those words and that ethos, the more it really... It just continues to resonate with me more and more as I grow in my career. Those are great values. And I'm sure they seep into other areas of your life. When you talked about leadership development, being at Cisco, it sounded like a lot of your growth um, as a leader came from a lot of those experiences. I was reading an article the other day, the Center for Creative Leadership have a framework around leaders, how leaders develop, how they learn. And they use a 70-20-10 rule where 70% of what they learn is from experience. And then 20% is from relationships. And then 10% is coursework, which is funny because a lot of companies are like, do all these courses. with them. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm curious, does that align with your experience as a leader in the way that you've developed? It does. And I think, I think the coursework percentage of that and the workshops you can do, the mentor-mentee relationships, like you have to lean in to maximize any of, like you have to be open to being vulnerable and feeling a little cheesy and letting go of your like cynical side in those moments. For example, currently at Expel, there's a leadership development 
benefit of working with a better up coach. The first six months, it was this chore of like, I don't want to be a bad leader here at Expel. So I need to do this program. And oh, my, my coach is kind of cheesy. And like, I don't really know what I'm getting out of this. And then I kind of at some point just reminded myself of what I've gotten out of other experiences in that vein and really just let go and leaned into that, for lack of a better phrase, of just, this guy doesn't work for my company. He doesn't know who my box is. He doesn't know the people on my team. He's truly this independent coach and mentor and just listening ear that this company is paying to provide for me. Like, why not just try to, like, squeeze everything out of it that I can? And once I let go and was willing to be cheesy and talk about my feelings at work and how these difficult problems are affecting me or even like talking about challenges I'm having in communicating with my manager or my peers or people on my team, I started to get so much out of it. You just got to let go and be like, let's see what I can get out of this if I like truly put something into it. If I truly let go of my ego, these resources can help me if I'm willing to let them. Thank you for demonstrating the ROI of coaching. I appreciate that. (laughs) If you have the opportunity, especially as a benefit where it's not even something you have to pay for, tell yourself that you are paying for it and think about what you want to get out of it. I think it's great to spend your own money on resources and coursework. Or I think about like when I was in college and how I was the one footing that bill, what I would put into things versus maybe friends or roommates of mine who didn't have that hanging Mm -hmm. over them, it changes your perspective of, I don't want to waste myself or my dollars or my time. So like, I think you just have to shift your mind into like, this isn't going to hurt me. This isn't going to make my leadership abilities worse to fully open myself up to these crucial conversations work or listening to this podcast about leadership or whatever is assigned out to me. Like, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? And that is a quintessential coaching question that I use often is what's the worst that could happen? You get better at your job. You learn something about yourself. You learn how to navigate a difficult conversation. And maybe it doesn't apply to work, but like maybe it helps you talk to a spouse or someone that you're working with in a volunteer manner. I don't know. I just, yeah. What do you have to lose? You talked about such a great mindset shift. I think that's really hard for people to do. And, you know, I witness it every day with my clients is we have to go through these exercises of reframing and shifting their mindsets. And it is hard. Everybody's like lean in, lean in. But when you're in that moment, how did you actually get yourself to lean in? I'm just, I'm at full capacity for my bandwidth in life in general. So I have what I consider a fairly demanding job, given the expectations I have for myself and my team, the company, where we're at in our growth stage, the market, right? And then everything I have outside of work, um, which we get into is like a working mother and someone who's active in her community on a volunteer basis, like all the things that are important to me to be committed to. If I'm going to do something, like I'm not a half-assed person, I'm going all in. So like the mind shift for me is just, I'm quickly approaching midlife. I turned 40 in just a few weeks. My time has become so incredibly valuable and I'm finally able to really appreciate that. If I'm going to spend time doing something, 
like completing my better up coaching hours because that's what Expel wants me to do. Why am I wasting any of that time being cynical or not fully committed? And I think that way with kind of everything I'm doing, even if it's like spending time alone, doing whatever it is I do to recharge. What's the point in not going all in? It's just a mind shift for me. I'm so busy. I'm so stretched thin that I want to maximize every minute I'm spending, regardless of what it is, even if it's relaxing. Okay, well, then really relax. Really stop thinking about work. Really check out. Really put your phone down. I do proactively think about what am I doing with my time? Because it is limited. It is such a finite resource. And I don't know. It's just, what are we all doing here if we're not going all in on things? And it sounds like being present in those decision-making moments. I think so often we're not even present to those decisions that we're making. We're making them, but we're not truly present to making them. Yeah, absolutely. When we talk about leadership and people who are on the podcast, they're leaders in every area of their lives. And you said you're a mom, you're active in your community. How has parenting really influenced you as a leader or helped shape you as a leader or vice versa? You know, what have you brought from leadership or coaching into your parenting? They're so symbiotic for me. Being a parent has really influenced my leadership style in so many ways. And I think the key things for me is it has made me both incredibly empathetic and also I have incredibly high expectations for people. And I think you can do both of those things in the same moment and in the same like thought process. Like you can be incredibly empathetic and still hold people to really high expectations. I am that way with my team, my peers, everyone I work with. And I'm certainly that way with my children. I have two kids. I have my son, Miles, turns 13 in a few weeks as well. So I'm in the thick of needing a ton of empathy for people and also resetting high expectations over and over for a teenager. I also have a 19-year-old stepson who's about to graduate high school. And he's taught me a whole lot about expectations and empathy as well. He's special needs. So I've learned so much about adjusting empathy and expectations based on what people have going on. Because we we are so complicated and multi-layered people that we don't really know what people have going on. And you have to be somehow intuitive of where do I slide the scale today between empathy and expectations? And how can I pick up on people's signals to help me lead that and not have to wait for someone to be like, I need some empathy. If we're getting to that point that I've missed some sort of sign from someone that I need to slide on that scale today in this moment or with this project or this quarter with what they have going on. And I think in the inverse, I think being such a career-driven mother and stepmother has been amazing gift for my children, I hope. They obviously enjoy the output of my career, which is a pretty comfortable life. I hope and I think that they... They see me deeply committed to something that lights me up besides their love, affection, and approval. And my, my kids being 13 and 19 and at these various points of transition and growing up in their lives, I have to remove that pressure of being so in tune with them. I have to let them go. And I think they probably feel more 
confident in what they want to do with their lives or their independence that they're seeking because they know I have something else that lights me up and I'm obsessed with my kids and what they do and what their interests are. But like for my own sanity and for theirs and for the growth of our relationship going forward, I have to have something else. And I am so glad that I do and that they see it every day when they come home and pop into my office right here behind me and say hello after school. And a lot of times I'm in a meeting and I'm busy. And of course, I want to hug them and ask them how their day was. But sometimes I'm glad that they can see mom or Kimmy is super committed to something. And that's awesome. And I hope that's what they see and feel. And I think that they do. That's really beautiful. And as a mom of a five-year-old on the other side of the spectrum, that's it's such a good reminder because like with my son, like I am his everything. We have to encourage him to be more independent and find those things that light him up because we're also needing our space to be able to pursue our careers. And it's interesting just as they get older and as we all get older and have more experiences, how that shifts a little bit. Everyone has to find their own thing because unfortunately, the whole goal of parenting is to get your children to a place to leave you. That's what I'm doing. That's my whole goal. I have this whole new appreciation for parenting because I do have my stepson who's special needs who isn't likely to live his own full independent life instead of really mourning the loss of my son Miles growing up and leaving me someday. It's taught me how lucky am I that he is going to like become his own person and grow up and leave me and lead his own life. And wow, how beautiful and lucky are we to have that. And on the flip side, I'm also having this other amazing experience that I'm going to be raising another child in a much different way. And that's also a wonderful experience. But it makes you just realize like, oh, my whole job here is to get them out the door and functioning and living their own, hopefully happy, healthy life. And as a mom, that's rough. That hurts. <laughs> it does hurt. Yeah. And you have such a great perspective on it because my perspective is like, why do we live in a society where that is our job? You know, around the world, that isn't always the job of mothers, you know, is to just like raise these kids that then can go be contributing members of society. It's more your whole life is about family and staying together and community. Just hearing you talk about your kids, they have been a huge inspiration and influence to you in your career and your leadership journey. But who or what else has been that pillar of inspiration that allows you to shine in your leadership? So this question, I wish like I had this super cool answer about this person or this moment with a person. And for me, my answer, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but my greatest inspiration is myself. If I'm being truly honest and vulnerable, I live in a very different world day to day now than I grew up. And I'm here because of myself. And I've definitely had wonderful teachers, professors, friends, my husband, like so many people to support me, certainly. But I've pulled myself up by my own bootstraps over and over again my whole life. And I did that by being the first person to go to college and actually make it happen and take on that incredible amount of debt, best money I've ever spent to get myself into a different world, to open myself up. I'm the one that pushed for my career. I'm the one that spent the countless hours early in my career trying to learn everything I could in the space that I was in. I'm constantly advocating for myself. 
I'm not ashamed to nominate myself for an award or anything like that. I'm here because of me and I'm most inspired by myself. I'm here in spite of people and things and challenges and like, I, I don't know, I gave up imposter syndrome a long time ago. And that doesn't mean I'm not humble or hardworking or I'm super self-aware of who I am and the imperfections that come with that. But I'm here because of me and I find that inspiring and I'm going to go to where I want to go next because of me. And I don't have another name. It's me. It's such an amazing display of self-love and respect. And I don't think that people spend enough time on that relationship with themselves in order to get to a place where they can just say the things that you just said. I love that. It's you. Okay, so you gave up imposter syndrome. I have many thoughts on imposter syndrome. I give up imposter syndrome too. First of all, fuck that term. I hate it. There's so many problems with it. I'm going to put in the show notes an article that everyone needs to read about imposter syndrome and that term. It's not even supposed to be that term. It was actually imposter phenomenon. I could talk about that all day. I want to hear your process in giving up imposter syndrome. I think even when I used to say or talk about imposter syndrome, it was just like that trendy thing to like express humbleness for who you are and what you've accomplished. And I never felt like it always felt icky. Because like I said, I'm inspired by myself. I'm here because of myself. Why would I want to waste time or energy thinking about, oh, it shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be having this opportunity or whatever. Yeah, I just, I don't have the time or energy for it. And that's not me discounting people who truly struggle with this. I think that can be a real thing for people. But I just think it became this trendy way of being self-deprecating and trying to express some sort of humble feeling while also putting yourself out there. I don't know. I just it felt like it was just the trendy thing for people to do for a while. And I just don't have time, energy, interest. I made that shift several years ago. And then it really got validated for me. I had a really toxic work experience a few years ago that could have taken me down a really dark road on imposter syndrome. And I'm sure there was like real feelings of that because I was in a pretty dark place to the point where I was like, I... I'm not good at what I do. I don't know why I have this job. I'm never going to work in this field again. That was probably true imposter syndrome fueled by lots of toxic behaviors at work. But when I got out of that and I had that reawakening of, oh no, I'm great. That was the blip on the radar. That's not the norm. I can do this and I can do it better than I've ever done it before. I never looked back from there. I'm not adopting that feeling ever again. It's just such a waste of my wonderful talent, my energy, who I am, my warmth and competence. It's just, it's the opposite of my ethos and I don't have time for it. And I wish other people and I hope other people can get to that place too. It's just such a waste of your time, energy, beautiful, talentedness of who you are. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it too. And I hope others can get there as well. And even just by not calling it imposter syndrome, right? Like you even named it, you are in a toxic work environment. So part of what that is, is we're operating in these systems that half the time are not built for us. Half the time we don't have control over, especially being a woman in the workplace. It is a culmination of systems and systems that are not working and fear. And it sounds like for you, like you recognize the system, you recognize the fear, 
And instead of sitting in that, you used it because it's just energy and you used it for something else. You said, nope, I'm going to use this fear and I'm going to go with it. So speaking of being a woman in leadership, what I think is really interesting now is that women are leaving their companies at such a high rate. For every woman at the director level who gets promoted, two women directors are choosing to leave their company. Yeah, it's bad. I see you in your career and you are like ruthless and you are constantly breaking through those glass ceilings. Nope, fuck imposter syndrome. This is me. I know what I'm doing. I'm warm. I'm competent. Like I can do this. Talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on women in leadership roles in tech and how we can disrupt their traditional leadership mindset and break more of those ceilings. Yeah, I just, I come back to like authenticity on this one and like who I am at my most authentic is totally different than you or anyone else or any other woman. Like we all have our own mindset and brand of authenticity, but that's like the gift of it. And I just bring my true self to all the situations, whether it's me in a room with three men and we're making decisions about something. I don't even let myself worry about being seen as bossy or too opinionated, you know, and maybe that just come with my confidence building and letting go of that imposter syndrome. It's just, I'm here. You're here, but I'm also here. I'm here for a reason. And until I have a reason not to be in this room making this decision, I'm going to be my authentic, transparent, smart, talented, brave self and just speak up. Um, has it ever bitten me before? Probably. That's probably bitten me when I haven't even realized it. Like maybe I have come off in a way that did hold me back from a promotion or a project or whatever it is. But like that's someone else's loss, not mine. If I'm always my authentic self and I'm always leading with warmth and competence, it will out in the positive for me. And where it doesn't, it wasn't wasn't meant for me or someone else is missing out because they decided to not utilize my strengths. And I'm sure there was a point in time in in all of this where I, I did the fake it till you make it. That's an effective way to build confidence. I'm still that way with like other areas of my life. Like I mentioned earlier, I really want to golf every day. I'm terrible at golf, but I'm not afraid to put myself out there. And who cares if I don't do it, then I'm not going to get better at it. And if I'm not going to put myself out there, I'm not going to like have fun. I'm not going to get anything out of it. So I can buy the cute outfit. I can look good, play good, feel good. I can put myself out there. I can practice and I can just be myself. And the more you fake it till you make it, you're going to be making it way quicker than you think. Something you said multiple times is just being yourself, right? We have the key and... Half the time, our power is just being and showing up as our full authentic selves. That in itself is a form of resistance to whatever systems we're operating in, whatever rooms we walk in. And we don't have to deal with the projections that are coming at you. If you're just being yourself and you show up, those just bounce off of you. And that will change your trajectory for sure. And if I'm not being myself, especially at work where I spend a lot of my time, how exhausting I have to remember to put on whatever mask I've decided is what I'm going to wear in that environment. 
I usually approach work with a ton of energy and positive enthusiasm and we can get this done sort of attitude, but that's authentically me. Imagine if it wasn't and I had to come to work every day and hype myself up to put that mask on. I'm not going to be able to do it sometimes. And then it's actually going to make me probably be looked at much more negatively of, oh, what's wrong with Kimmy today? She's not her like sunny, positive, go get them self. Like, I don't want to put myself in that position to have to fake who I am every single day. Again, I don't have the spare energy or bandwidth for that. So what's the point? (laughs) Yeah, seriously, what's the point? And, And to that end, I'll also add, we also need to be able to create safe environments for everybody to be able to do that because we know that there's a lot of people in underserved communities where they have to wear a mask they, to survive. And it's just a result of the society and the systems that we're operating in. But I also believe that other people who have the privilege of not wearing masks can be inspiration and help break down these systems that aren't working for other people. What a wonderful gift that I have to lead a team of people to try to create that environment. Please bring your full self to work. And that might be a pretty consistent person some of the time, but I'm also, I'm a full human who sometimes I come to work and I'm already at zero. I have teenage kids. I have a lot of commitments outside of work. I'm just a highly emotional person. But if I consistently bring my true self to work, my team knows that and I can be open of I need a little space today. If you need me, you know where to find me. Otherwise, we'll revisit this tomorrow when I'm feeling a little more full of energy and able to bring my best self to this conversation, project, one-on-one, whatever it is. Yeah, you give that warmth to yourself, it sounds like, too. Being warm and competent applies to myself as well. Speaking of warm, we're going to heat things up. (laughs) That was a perfect transition. We are going to move into a little segment called lead or leave. I'll give you a situation. We'll do a few and you have to decide if you're going to lead, take that challenge on, or if you're going to leave and say, nope, I'm not taking that challenge on as a leader. Are you ready? I'm so excited for this. Okay. Here's the first one. Hiring a close friend or family member for a crucial position on your team. I've learned a lot in this area and I'm going to leave. Your company is about to launch a game-changing product that could redefine the industry, but you despise the name and they won't change it. Lead. Implementing a mandatory no email after work hours policy to encourage work-life balance. Oh, I'm leading so hard on that one. Love it. Okay, last one. This one's gonna be your favorite, I know. Elon Musk has decided to buy your company and you just found out, lead or leave? I'm leaving so fast. Now's your chance to justify any of your answers. Project names is like a big thing at my company. There's this like internal competition on the best project names truly get a little extra love, attention, patience, I think. We have one right now around sales accepted leads and it's called Better Call Saul. And You would not believe the amount of comments that project name gets. And I didn't give that project name and I'm so jealous. So on the flip side, like horrible project names have certainly been part of the history of the companies I've worked at. Startups love funky project names, but also like I don't want to miss out on the cool work opportunity, learning, et cetera. So I would probably still try to influence 
it as it goes, but I'm not going to miss out because of a stupid project either. A good showcase of releasing that attachment. (laughs) Are you sure about Elon? Sure. I've been out on him maybe since I learned about who he is. Okay. I want to talk about something that is so hot right now. And that is chat GPT, AI taking over the world. (laughs) You see it all over our LinkedIn feed. Then people either saying, here's the best way to use it, or AI is going to be a disaster. There's all these ethics around it. Like we understand the background, but I think in marketing specifically, marketing ops in tech, these innovative fields, we are really seeing the impact much quicker and it's going to even accelerate beyond that. But I'm thinking from a leadership lens, as AI and the automation of things continues to innovate and progress, how do you think that these technologies are going to weave into leadership and team dynamics? I think it's so interesting, all of it, and the more tactical pieces of it. I would love if my analytics team eventually can utilize it to do analysis for them, right? Figure out why our whatever rate has decreased quarter over quarter or whatever, looking at all the channels. I think that's super interesting. But when I think about it from a leadership perspective and my team, I'm trying to figure out what it means for me right now. And I, so I don't have a good answer besides I'm just like feeling it out right now for me. My use cases have been so limited, but prepping slide decks and communication is a huge part of my job these days. I'm that go-between between the functional work and the executive team. Do I need to type up an explainer of what account-based go-to-market strategy is? No, I don't need to try to noodle on that for 30 minutes and figure out the best way to explain it. I can go there and get my boilerplate information and then tweak it for my own use cases. And I want to figure out like how to utilize that as a leader for my team. And like, I haven't cracked that nut yet because I lean so into like authenticity and who I am and how I relate to the people on my team. I'm just not sure how to like utilize that tool technology in a way that I'm even comfortable with. I'm sure there's something out there and I'm sure someone will write some LinkedIn post about it that relates to something their kid did that day and whatever. And I can't wait to bookmark it and use it as an interesting read, but I don't know yet is my authentic answer. And I don't think a lot of people know. We are just in this exploration phase where we're learning. I think that there's probably people at higher levels of authority that have already gone through the process of exploring this, which is interesting when they're letting it play out. I think there's a lot of different routes it can take. And even just from an advisory perspective, act as this person and advise me on this situation as a leader or thinking about developing leadership styles, like just the amount of information that you can get to be more situational and adjust and adapt is really fascinating. From a leadership lens and a team dynamics lens, that might be where people flock to it is thinking about these situations that come up and needing that, I don't know, like I'm going to call it third-party perspective. (laughs) Could AI replace my better up coach? Could I say, give me advice on a situation where I'm in this role and this person's in this role and here is the problem? Yeah, maybe. But my better up coach also knows like a ton of information that is so nuanced about the people involved and the personalities and the work history. And it could probably get me started. For me, I look at it as like 
a jumping off point for a lot of things, right? Oh, but I need to then take it and make it my own and apply my own lens to it. But I'm sure someone will correct that for me and I'm excited for them to do it. Yeah, it's only going to accelerate, I think, the example of using it as a coach. And I've seen situations where use, people are using it as a therapist, as a coach, as a lawyer, and it just accelerates your your own ability to grow, just the presence and the connection human to human and the energy exchange, like that can never be replaced. But when you're coming to the table where you've used tools to help yourself grow and see new perspectives, and then you have that human connection and energy exchange, that's just going to like accelerate it even further, which I think is cool. I'm excited. I think it's, I'm not scared of it. I'm not like Nope, not going to figure that out. It's just, I don't know. I'm interested. Yeah, lots of unknowns and we just have to be comfortable with them. So many, which I think we're getting used to, hopefully, in the last four years. I'm going to throw out another stat. It's in contrast to the women that are leaving their jobs. 58% of women under 30 say advancement has become more important to them in the past two years. Yeah. So thinking about these women that are wanting to advance further into leadership positions in their career. What is your advice for them? Yeah, get rid of the imposter syndrome is, I think, like number one on the checklist. Even if you just tell yourself, I'm going to give it six months of just being the most confident, not doubting myself. What do you have to lose? Give yourself a little experiment to be like, if I just went all in on who I am and what I bring to the table, and didn't doubt myself, what would that look like? What would that feel like? What might my interactions be? Go do that if that's a blocker for you. So that's definitely my first piece of advice is work through that imposter syndrome, whether it's with yourself, your therapist, a coach, whatever that is. Give it a try to give it up. And then from there, it's just, I don't know, being fearless. And when I say like, I think I am fearless in a lot of ways, but not really. I'm terrified of a lot of things. I have anxiety. I worry about things that are never going to come to fruition. But I do it anyways. I can go for things anyways. I ask for the promotion anyways. I fight for my team in some way that may not get me the answer I want, but I'm going to do it anyways. So I would say just apply for the job, ask for the promotion, speak up in the meeting. Like, again, what do you have to lose? If you can let go of the fear, which I know sounds cheesy, um, like, what do you have to lose? And, and that's also a big part of my confidence and my ethos and leaning into things is like, it's okay to be cheesy or think that you're being cheesy. It's okay to talk to people on your team, like real people with emotion. It's okay to put yourself out there and throw out an idea that maybe someone might roll their eyes at. Just... Do it anyways. Go get what you deserve. Get the money. Be able to feel good about what you're getting out of the things. Life is so short. Let's just go do it. Believe in yourself. Like, again, sounds cheesy, but like, I'm a cheesy person and I'm okay with that. Feel the fear. Do it anyway and get that bag. (laughs) That was right. Any other favorite book, podcast, resource that you would recommend that people who are either in leadership positions and maybe struggling to overcome some of the things we talked about or aspiring leaders, what do you recommend for further exploration? 
it's really about connecting with people that resonate with you in some way or that you admire. Like there's so many great podcasts. There's so many great um, books that you could read. And I've read many of them and it's not that I wouldn't recommend any of them, but I've moved myself forward the most by connecting with people, whether it's through user communities and finding a few people and then finding them on a Slack group and having these conversations or finding people at work. Like for me, the biggest piece of advice is find and build your tribe and your tribe can look like a total hodgepodge of people, skill sets, roles. It doesn't really matter. Just find those people that that bring you some sort of sparkle in some way. And like the more people you can add to that roster, the better. So that's my advice. And then is there a book? Is there a podcast? Is there a resource? Like for me, the best podcasts that I take in on a consistent basis are things that let me check out from work. Like, man, taking a walk and listening to the current Laguna Beach, like throwback podcast is the best <laughs> for my brain to come back to work. What you're taking in should serve like your mental, emotional health. And if that is not a Harvard Business Review recap podcast, that's okay. It's okay if what recharges you is mind-numbing recaps of a show you watched in high school and college. It takes me out of my way and gives me some space to recharge and commit to being recharged. That's great advice. And this is coming from the woman who watched the Love is Blind's reunion last night. So yes. That's right. People can recharge in any way or take in anything that makes them like feel like a rested, recharged human that can then bring their full self back to the hard things in life. Thank you so much, Kimmy, for sharing all of your knowledge and your stories and just a little bit of yourself. I appreciate you and I can't wait to do it again. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you walk away with something empowering that you can take into your own leadership journey. Are you a high performing executive looking to take your career to the next level or an emerging leader who wants to develop the skills you need to advance in your role and show up authentically? Or maybe you're experiencing burnout and struggling to find a better work-life balance. Whatever your situation is, coaching can help you achieve your personal and professional goals. If you're interested in learning about and experiencing the power of coaching for yourself, head on over to hypehousecoaching.com backslash start coaching now, where you can set up a one-on-one leadership and executive coaching intro session for free. Remember, the only hype that really matters is the hype within. 